You are listening to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, episode 33, Teaching Your Children to Worship. Welcome to Behind the Pulpit Podcast, the podcast designed to grow young ministers. This is Tim Lucas, and with me today in our grand, opulent virtual studio is Nigel Ali and Ryan Goff. How's it going, guys? Good deal. It's going good, man. Have you guys uh, happened to look at the seminar schedule for General Conference in the uh, Forward or Herald? I have skimmed through it, but uh, didn't really stop to pay much attention. I did see that one of uh, a good friend is preaching. Oh, who's Christ- that? Oh, Christ- preaching. Yeah, Christopher Green. So I was pretty excited yeah, yeah. about that. He's a good guy. That's what I've heard. Yeah. There's going to be several um, good ones that I saw. One that... I'm actually very interested in because I think this is going to be a growing opportunity in America. There's a strong push for a lot of Chinese people coming to America. But they're doing a seminar on pastors in Chinese evangelism and discipleship. Um, so that one will be very interesting. Dan Gleason is teaching new metrics for disciples, becoming a disciple maker. Mm-hmm. So that will be very good. And there's others that will be more specific to specific, you know, people that are in a specific situation that are, don't apply to me. So I think those are the two that I really, that stood out to me in the first session, which is on Thursday. And then, well, maybe actually, I'm not sure when these are going to be, because there's several slots. Maybe I'll get to go to both of them. And then uh, uh, some more that stood out to me on the other side were um, Lisa Marshall is doing a class on steps to deeper prayer life, which looks very good. Brother Hanscom is doing Reaching the Muslim Community. Oh, which yeah. Be very good. It'll be good. Um, the importance and benefits of pastor's sabbaticals. Uh, that's probably very beneficial. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't have enough time to hear somebody tell me I need to take a break. So, <laughs> that, that's a but, joke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's, uh, let's see, uh, somebody named Philip Hofstetter. Sounds familiar, but I don't know where I've heard the name. Is uh, doing one on prayer evangelism. Sounds very good. Um, and Tim Green is teaching on the evangelist experience. So if someone's interested in hearing from an evangelist, that might be worthwhile. He's a good guy or they too. can listen to our podcasts and hear from Actually, the. That's a good idea, Nigel yeah. Ali. Amen. <laughs> evangelist and extraordinary. Then, um, and there's another one that, that stood out to me as well: the benefits of planning a daughter work by Scott Armstrong. So those are some of the, just a rundown of the ones that caught my attention. It'd be really cool if either we go to them together and we can record very quickly afterwards our thoughts and impressions, maybe even capture or grab the presenter and have them talk to us a little bit. Mm, that would be good. Um, that would be really cool. We'll see what we can do about that. No, I'm just looking to go forward. For I'm, well, I mean, I'm bummed out that Silas and Asher won't be there just to play with all, yeah. all the kiddos, but at the same time, yeah. I'm excited. Who will not be there? Yeah, I the- bet. The two, the the two older ones. Oh, oh! They're gonna be staying with grandma and grandpa in Man. Los Angeles. You guys are yeah. lucky. I wish we could. All <laughs> right. Yeah. And then Jenny and Alex aren't bringing theirs either. Are you serious? Wow. So it's gonna be like a lot quieter than I expected. Which yeah. in the future, one of these times, we'll actually have to get like a five bedroom house. Yeah. So our kids can have like yeah. their own room. That would be. That'd be. Well, fun. most That'd be of really them cool. will be old enough that. Yeah. yeah, you know it won't be as you won't have as many danger zones. Yeah, mm-hmm. we won't. Unless people be able keep having babies, anyone. Yeah, but at least we will. Uh, 
at least we'll all be in the same hotel, so that'll be fun. Yeah. We can all go squ- swimming together or something. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, I'm sure we'll, we'll save that for a different episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> mixed bathing, as they say. <laughs> mixed bathing. Yes. Um, it's like youth camp. But all yeah, over so. Again. So what do you guys, um, why, what's exciting about conference and why do you think, I think we all agree that every young minister, if they can, should go to general conference. Why do you think it would be particularly b- beneficial? I personally think it is a very good time to, you know, you go to conferences and conferences. This is, general conference is more of the, if I can use this term, the business side of the organization. Uh, you get to really see how it works. You see the departments. You see the functions of the departments. Yes, you hear great preaching, great seminars, uh, but it's focused on the organization as a whole. So you get to see uh, the organization that you're part of. Plus, if you've been ministering for a while, you get to fellowship with friends and just see a, a big uh, scope of what you're part of and meet good friends that they're going as well. And uh, if you've been just laboring in your field, it's just sometimes can be lonely and just, you know, in your struggles on a daily basis and all of that. But then you fellowship with friends that are going through the same things. It's just, I think, refreshing. Yeah, I know if I hadn't gone to Bible college, it may not mean quite as much just because I wouldn't know hardly anybody. But being on that side of the country and and meeting the ministers that we met at ABI, it's the one time that you are pretty much guaranteed that they'll be there, especially if they're anywhere from the Midwest on. Um, if you only fellowship on the west side of the country, you don't have as much uh, representation there. Me being the type that I am, I don't think it would be difficult for me to meet other ministers. Um my advice to someone if they're going for the first time is to not be shy or kind of withdrawn, but to go up to minister, especially at the booths. Yeah, I love just walking around the different to the different uh, exhibits and <clears throat> talking to the people there because that's what everybody does there. They just want to mingle and talk and kind of see how things are going. And plus, you get to buy a lot of cool stuff. So we're like saving up money now to plan on expanding the library. And uh, yeah, there's there's always a, a last day sale. So they don't have to take stuff home. Yeah. So hint, don't <laughs> buy stuff on the first two days. And all those drawings. I wonder, I remember one year, so because we've been to three general conferences, one year the big thing, they were everybody was giving away iPads. Oh, then yeah. one year, everyone was giving away watches. So I'm just wondering what they're going to be giving away this year. It'll probably be it'll, it'll probably just be the iPad again, more with more, a different color band. Yeah, yeah. Um, but kind of being there for the experience, uh, and obviously the messages. All the messages are great, and the sessions were. I didn't know what to expect from them, and I was yeah really pleasantly surprised. Like there was some things that I still remember to this day that was taught in some of those day sessions. And so those are definitely a blessing. For sure. So bring your note-taking materials because you're going to be using them. Yeah, definitely. And I think just the whole concept of being around people like you want to be is so vitally beneficial. Yeah. Um, and that's a well-known fact of just self-improvement, mm-hmm. of business improvement, things like that. You get around people that are like you want to be. And we talked, we've talked about that quite a bit on this podcast, the importance of having people in your life that are ahead of you. And that you can look to and say, hey, I want to be like that. Right. And, and there's something about when you're just around 
ministers that you start behaving like a minister, thinking like a minister. And especially for younger ministers who at times probably struggle with that identity concept of, you know, it's hard to tell people like, when do you start telling people, okay, I'm a preacher? Or when are you like, I'm going to be a preacher? And I think it's really important to, to, in, to for the sake of your mind, to start saying, I am a preacher. Kind of make that shift in your mind that not someday I'm going to be a preacher, but I am a preacher. And when you get around other preachers, it really helps you to, to interact and to start seeing yourself that way. And so a general conference is very beneficial for that. We do want to actually get to our topic today, which is training up your children to worship. And we have an article. We did this, uh, I think, two episodes ago, and it was very successful. We got some good feedback from it. And so we want to do a similar one. We ran across an article by Brother Reynolds. And so we want to kind of look at that. Ryan, can you kind of give us an overview of the article? Yeah. First, I just want to mention, for those of you who don't know who Brother Reynolds is, he uh, is based out of Oregon. He works closely with someone who's near and dear to all of our hearts, and that's Brother Sidney Poe. They work together in the foreign field quite often in teaching. But he spent about 30 years in the public school system after he had a life-threatening accident in 91, and that was when he felt like God told him to leave the public school and to go full-time into ministry, and his focus was on the family. But his area was in teaching ministry, um, encouraging the teaching methods of Jesus. And he's written quite a few books. Uh, Brother Poe helped him write some as well, and he does a lot of teaching overseas. Uh, he's been to over 39 nations. And so he has a website called apostolicfamily.org, and you can sign up for his monthly articles. And this was one of his monthly articles. It's called Teach Your Children to Worship in the House of God, Second Chronicles 20.13. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. This one touched base with us, especially because we have little ones running around the house. And I don't know if it's necessarily a fear that I have, but it's something that's always on my mind. And that's doing what I need to do now so that I don't have to regret and see where their lives are going and wish that I had done something different at this stage. Having the understanding that the impact we have on our children right now at the ages of two, three, four, will send them on a trajectory for the rest of their lives. You know, I think of Moses and the impact that his mother had on him when she was nursing him and teaching him the ways of his family before he went to Pharaoh's house. And, and the impact that that had later on in his life, uh, where that never left him. Brother Reynolds writes us about church and kind of how we teach that to our children. And he, he basically says that between 16 months and seven years, this is when most behaviors are learned. So this is a very important time for them to, to grow, to respect and understand the importance of the house of God. And children do this in different ways. They, they do this by sending feedback or sending signals. And then they, what the feedback they receive from those signals, it kind of guides how they do things. So if they do something bad and we scold them or, or let them know that that was not a good thing, then they learn, okay, I'm not going to do that. They, if they do something positive, and we reinforce that positivity by uh, congratulating them, you know, being uh, happy and things like that, um, then they'll do those things again, hopefully. Although sometimes, on a side note, I feel like the uh, negative things they do outweigh the positive things they do sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> it's important that we send these types of feedback at church. Um, yeah. And he has some advice 
Um, and he says he's been working with children for 50 years. And I think this advice uh, is sound. Uh, one thing that he says is always sit together as a family in church. And this can be difficult, uh, especially if, yeah. you know, Tim, if you're pastoring, keeping the kids in the sanctuary and not quickly pulling them out and sitting outside the, the sanctuary with them, but teaching them to do the things that you do. So when everyone stands, they stand. When everyone right. sings and claps, they do that. When everyone gives in the tithing, they are offering, they have. And this is where I always forget. I always forget to bring cash. It drives me crazy. But having them put money in the offering plate so they understand the the blessing and the joy that there comes with giving. Right. And the last one he says that, I don't know about you guys, but I've done it. And I've constantly seen people doing it. And that's immediately giving children the phones or the iPads or the n- tablet or whatever. Cannot believe that, Ryan. That is uh, uh, Distract uh, them. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> to to keep them uh to keep them tamed i guess you could say mm. uh yeah. but he also <laughs> throws in there set this by example so if you're constantly on your phone yeah. in church you know this is a good reason to have your bible and not your phone at church they look at that um he talks about bringing toys and I'll never forget this for as long as I live. And I wasn't very I wasn't very old. I was probably a teenage years. My grandpa growing up, we went to church with my grandma and grandpa. He hated it. And I can't express to you how much he hated it when parents would let their kids play with noisy toys in the church. Oh my word. It drove him like if they gave him their keys, if they did oh man, he you wouldn't you wouldn't stop hearing about it after church for like an well, hour. Well, I feel like it's common sense. A noisy toy, uh-huh. like you would think, you would think, but like the rat, not yeah. not a rattler, but plastic toys that kind of cling together, or uh, cars yeah. that are loud, um, or parents who give their kids snacks that are like really really crunchy and loud. Right? Why? Like, there's so many quiet mm-hmm. snacks, quiet toys, which. It seems to me that he's saying even quiet toys you should avoid. Am I reading? Yeah. That right? So he's saying no four and under. So children four and under. Um, if you need okay. to bring a toy, he he's saying not even really a a toy in so much as like they have these books that you can do different things in them. They have buttons and different quiet uh, pages that you can play with. They have strings and different things in them that you can like tie. It just keeps the kids busy. If when they're a little bit older, you have like their own Bible that they can color in or and just yeah. bringing a few crayons. Uh, this is something that Janine and I have been trying to uh, work on by doing that and setting aside those toys so that they're only for church. So they're not just That's commonplace good. toys at the house, but that these are toys that the children know, okay, I get this when I'm, when I'm at church. Uh, and they're yeah. usually Bible-based type things. Um, right. You know, cause then, uh, as they get older, five, six, seven, eight, um, five and six year olds have their own little picture type Bibles. <clears throat> and then he says by seven and eight years, they should be begin listening and actually taking an active part in worship. I, I agree, but that's going to be precipitated that they are usually not, that if you're constantly letting them be on media at home, yeah, that's... they're not going to have the attention span right, to do that at right. church. 
and you know yeah the, i mean a, the, a lot of the values that we teach at home spill over into the church, church yeah, yeah. Um, for sure but it was interesting because we were talking with uh with some people in our life group the husband or the father and the father was asking about <clears throat> just how sometimes it was difficult to to go just because he's been so busy at work uh he has a he has a tough job and it's hard for him to get places especially to different church events and I started talking to him about two different testimonies, and I'll just mention one. My pastor down in L.A., and we had talked about this in previous episodes, but his family, they were in Brother Gray's church down in San Diego. All of the brothers stayed in the ministry, and the grandkids, for the most part, are all in church. At at the very least, they're Holy Ghost-filled. But their parents, the only thing that they did was they valued the house of God, they never spoke yeah. bad about the house of God or the man of God at home to their kids. They never let them skip church, and they never looked down upon going to church. Now, on the flip side, there's another family where they always went to church, and the parents valued going to church, but they would speak badly sometimes. They were in some pretty terrible situations, uh, mind you, but they would speak badly about the man of God at home and that church. And the fallout from that is all but one of their children are not serving the Lord. All but one or two of their grandchildren are serving the Lord. Yeah. So the impact that we have on our children, they pick up on that. For sure. How we value yeah, the house of God. Definitely. We yeah. cannot take that lightly as as young parents. In the generation we live in where everything just kind of Eh, yeah, I'll do it when I feel like it, or you know, don't ask me to do anything, or don't ask me to sacrifice my time, you know, because my time is precious, which it is. But we have to teach these values to our children because most likely there's going to be a diluted version of it in our children. And I think too, a big part of it is how you actually feel. If you feel like going to church is a burden, that's going to come across, no matter how much you act differently. And if you feel like it's going to be a burden. You, you know, you may go in spite right. of that, but your kids won't. And so if you feel like, if you feel like it's a pain to go to church and it's a sacrifice to go to church, your kids are not going to go right. to church. And, I, you know, it reminded me of a story my dad would often tell of this family that would allow their kid to stay home from, you know, church for anything, pretty much. Well, you know, we had to put a new roof on the house Saturday, so we're tired. And so, you know, we're going to take Sunday off or well, you know, Saturday I had to work overtime, so I want to have my my family time. So we're going to have that Sunday instead of going to church. And it was like everything was like stay home for church. Well, when the kid turned 18, he's like, well, I just don't think going to church is very important. And his mom and dad came crying, you know, and well, well you know, I don't know why he thinks that. And it's like, right, well, why do you exactly. think he thinks that? Because you told him that. Right. And, and so I think it's so, that's one thing I, I appreciate my parents. I mean, I did not skip church for anything i mean even we there were mandatory things for school that we were not allowed to do and they're like well what what do you mean you can't we you know it's just how it was and um because church is more important than school and sports like any sport i didn't even bother asking my parents could i be involved in you know a sport that would require me to be out of church it just wasn't even didn't even cross my i was listening to the original our some of our first podcasts and i think in the first one Maybe the second one, you spoke about how you had chicken pox yeah. and you sat in the car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. 
I did. And and that might be, I understand the value of keeping a child home when they have, you know, an, an, an infectious or, or communicable disease. I, I'm not entirely saying that you have to be as passionate as my parents were. That's how they applied the principle. The principle is you don't right. miss church. Right. If the doors are open, you're there. You don't stay home because you're tired. Right. You don't only go on Sundays and, and midweek is a is an option or, well, maybe we'll just go in late, you know, because we're just going to sleep in a little bit. No, you are there when the doors are open and you're there early and you're invested and, you, you know, you have that attitude and, you know, you get there early and you leave late. You don't rush out, you know, except for rare occasions and and the, when you have that attitude yourself and you're excited to go to church and you know not well it's sunday yes we better get up and get ready for church but hey man can you believe it's sunday we get to, yeah. to church today and your kids are gonna gonna you know they may not a hundred percent of the time while they're growing up feel that way they're gonna have cycles ups and downs but eventually they're gonna yeah, come right. out excited right. for church and that's the goal. We're our goal is not every day of our life to make our kid like this perfect kid. They're, that's not yeah. possible. We're going to be disappointed if that's what we expect. That every Sunday our kid's going to want to go to yeah. church. But sometimes you just got to make them do it. And, and that's a very unpopular thing to make your kid Especially do something. Nowadays, nowadays everybody's like, "Well, I want to let them, my three year old, decide their gender." <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm going off topic here, but or you know, like people are like, "Well, you know, are you going to make your kids?" be like you at work. Somebody asked me, I'm like, well, when they become an adult, they'll make their own choice. You know, and I know it's not popular for, as a kid, well, we should let them decide. I've heard people say, well, I'd let my kid decide if they want to go to church. Yeah. Uh, when they find their own place to yeah. live, that's fine. That's you know, you can be 27, you want to live at home, you're coming to church. You know, and, and I think that's the foundation is no matter how on fire you feel or not, you're going to go to church. And if you if you're there at that point, as an adult, there's hope. Oh, no matter how bad off you get, if you are just that committed to church, you're, you're, you know. Yeah, and especially hope. advice like this. I mean, I wish more people signed up for this article because things like this are so relevant yeah. nowadays. Um, relevant. There's that word. You always point that out, man. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Old. Fa- there's nothing more relevant than old-fashioned Bible-based instruction. It's true. That it's so relevant. So you know, so stop abusing the word. I love the word. <laughs> the one thing he he mentions is that he would never punish them in the sanctuary. Um, he believed in in spanking, and he would go usually into the bathroom. But the other the other type of skin treatment that he mentioned was the positive type of skin treatment. So if your child is acting up, being rambunctious type of things, while keeping your mind and and focus on the preacher and the message. You try to cuddle your child, lightly stroking their arm, lower leg, and basically he points out that children love that kind of attention, and it doesn't disturb the the service, and it gets them to kind of refocus and to try to calm down. Now, when a two-year-old's throwing a tantrum, that's different. Uh, that's when you take them out. And they get the other skin treatment. <laughs> yeah. The other skin treatment. <laughs> I'll treat your skin. I'll tan your hide. That's what my dad used to say. Oh, man. My Asher did that the other day. It was at a our family our district conference. Yeah. And it was our the ministers conference, which was like the night before. Yeah. And we're in the church, it's packed, and Asher just has a meltdown. So yeah. I pick him up. I had I was in the middle of the pew, so I had to walk past these people out the back. It was like towards the end of the preacher's message. 
And oh, I just knew everybody's eyes were on me. I was hey, but it's good. You got. You were talking about. You know, you need to get your name out there so you can get elected to be district superintendent. <laughs> so, one. You. Hey, any press is good press, right? That's what they say in politics, and it's all politics. Oh so. man, stay away, stay away. We don't want to go down that. You, you like hole. my little transition <laughs> there? <Damn>. No. <laughs> bait. I baited the hook. You got well. Good job for seeing the hook, not taking the bait. <laughs> Um, no, you know, and the thing is though, I don't know about you guys, but it's not as, it sounds a lot easier than it is. It, you know, it sounds, and now he's, I'm not saying his article's bad, but it sounds like, yeah, just grab your kid, put him on your lap and, and caress their arm and they're going to be an angel. And the reality is that's not true. At least for me, I went into parenting thinking I knew a lot about how to take care of a kid in church because my parents did such a great job. What I didn't remember is I don't remember the early years. And so my mom, you know, I, my dad has told me, he's like, you know, your mom, there are times she told me, she's like, I don't even know why I go to church. I get nothing out of the sermon. I'm hardly in, and yeah. yet they can't. And so that concept of, yeah. I'm, I'm going to go to church. I'm just going to be chasing my kid anyways. We might as well stay home. It, I understand because yeah. my wife, man, sometimes I feel so bad for her. I'm yeah. up, you know, preaching, whatever. So I can't help that much, which is a huge challenge for us, for in our audience is, is they you know, grow their family, uh, not being able to help. And then especially, you know, in, in many cases, if you're not close to family, some people are, are blessed to be close to family or or have someone close that can help. But we don't have... Right. Uh, now, we have people in our church that'll help somewhat. Um, and we don't have classes and things like that, uh, which is another point. I don't think kids should always be out of the main sanctuary, but that's another issue. And, and so it's a struggle for my wife. You know, she has she's watching two kids and... The reality of my son, like he's going through this phase where he's, he's so much worse at church than anywhere else, you know? So I just, I don't get it. Yeah. I think my wife, we're trying and we're going to keep trying. My wife feels the same way. Many times she's just said, man, I don't get anything from services because she's got uh, three of them, you know, now, now the, uh, you know, two of them go to Sunday school and uh so she's able to be in there but uh and sometimes when the altar call comes or something like that she wants to be at the altar praying for people and uh she'll put the baby in nursery and that's when we are at the home church but if we are somewhere preaching uh she's got all three of them you know what I mean sometimes yeah. some of the churches don't have uh Sunday school and some some of the churches are small so she has to handle them and man uh it, it, yeah sometimes it's just very difficult but uh you just be there they have got to get used to the atmosphere and it's something about the presence of god i know that uh, brother reynolds mentioned something about taking your kids to the altar you know what i mean uh with you and it is it is even though it might be difficult, but just to take them, like my two boys, you know, I've I've had them at the altar since they were, you know, two years old or less. You know, Nahum, when Nahum was probably uh, a year old or something, I started carrying him uh, at the altar and just praying for people while he watched me. You know what I mean? I just carried him around uh, and and. That's what we do. We just let them go to yeah. the altar, just stand, 
just to feel the presence of God. And now they right. they want the Holy Ghost. You know, they they want uh, to be baptized. So just to yeah. create that uh, uh, desire of the presence of God, yeah. that there's something uh, happening, you know. Yeah, I always made it a point. And, and some people would always be like, hey, can I take, you know, can I take Judah? Like he, when he was a baby, I would carry him and pray for people. And people stopped asking. And that was fine with me. Even if he's sleeping, I just wanted, A, I wanted other people to see that having a child is not an excuse to step back from ministry. Right. And right. two, I want him right there with me. Yeah. He may be a baby, he may be sleeping, but the presence of God is powerful enough. I feel like it's going to make a difference. Yes. And the thing is, too, we may not realize how much they are paying attention, mm-hmm. but like I remember sometimes Judah will say things like, you know, oh, the story of Joseph. Now, specifically from ABI drama, he remembered that, you know, and, and, and he'll always be like, and the, his brothers were pushing him and they were mean, you know, because that happened at the drama. He still remembers that. And maybe even they won't say it, but they're listening. And yeah. years later, they're going to remember they it. They will. Yeah. And so will. having them there is so important. And the other thing I think, and he you kind of alluded to this, is making them do what everybody else is doing. They don't check out. Now, I'm not talking about a two-year-old, but at a reasonable age, each child is different, so the parent has to pay attention, but they begin to participate. Now, maybe if the kid is five and has the attention span of 15 minutes, you make them sit still and listen for 15 minutes, and then they can get a book out and read for five or whatever your system is to be realistic for them. But when everybody stands, they need to stand. Right. They don't mm-hmm. need to be checked out on their iPad. It's easy to do that. Yeah. To be like, you know what? I don't want to distract the visitor. Or and there's good reasons. I don't want to distract people. They need to get here from the Lord, not be distracted by my kid. Here's an iPad. Be quiet. I just feel like the long term ben- or uh, long term effects of that are so detrimental. Right. Yeah. You know, and Jesus never turn children away right and no doubt they were as distracting then as they are now Mm -hmm. that's why the disciples wanted to get rid of them kids are kids you know what i mean if they were good enough for jesus then they're good enough for us Mm -hmm. it just it feels like when your child is making noise that it's super distracting uh but as far as the preacher because my main concern is like i don't want my child to be distracting from the preacher but being a little fussy, you know, I, I guess being a little fussy, like there's, you don't have to just jump up and pull them out of church real quick. It's, they're not as distracting as it feels, I guess. I don't ever notice. Especially to my own preacher. kids even. Right. Much Especially less anybody else's. Yeah. yeah. Now, if I have a kid behind me that's constantly kicking the back of the pew, playing with a loud toy, being constantly obnoxious and the parents aren't doing anything. Yeah, that's distracting for me. And it's, it gets frustrating. Right. If the parents yeah. don't try to intervene, but if you're intervening, if you're yeah. working on keeping your child tame at least, you don't have to just jump up Pull and, them, and yeah. yank them out of church. Right. Uh, it's not as bad as it feels. Yeah. Yeah. No, Agreed. that's true. Yeah. What we have uh, tried to do, we've taken like, uh, you know, I know Brother Reynolds mentioned don't take any toys, but we have taken like dinosaurs and stuff like that where yeah. they can sit you know, in between the pew and then on the floor, uh, they're right there and they can just build some farm or something like that. It doesn't make yeah. noise. And now uh, Nahum is six years old and Nathaniel is four. Uh, we try to take their schoolwork, you know what I mean? And uh, we don't, we we have never really given them iPads or iPhones, but uh, we've given them books, you know, picture books and coloring books and uh 
now Nahum sits and does his uh, homework, you know what I mean, in, on Wednesday night, you know, sometimes. And the thing I've noticed with him, maybe he's just that way that he can uh, multitask and he's listening, and he's, but he still, he needs himself to be occupied with something else, and but he's still listening. And the preacher will say something and he'll like stop and look, you know what I mean? He'll, and then he'll come and say, man, the daddy preacher said this, you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he's just that way. Uh, but he can do two things at one time and, uh, he finishes his assi- uh, homework and all that and he's kept his attention, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think whatever uh, works for the child. Right. And that's the key is each child's different. But one other thing I think is when you're going to make a change, make up your mind and tell the kid for a while. So say, Hey, you're about to be six. When you turn six, you're not going to play with these toys anymore. You're going to yeah. be a big boy. And it make it feel like they're graduating, right. you know, and, and so you're becoming, a, you're, you're on your way to becoming an adult and so you have some responsibilities now and make it a big deal and celebrate, mm-hmm. maybe have a cake or, or some ceremony. You know, that's something we really miss out on. We, you know, we've talked about with, um, brother uh, Thompson when he was talking about man up adventures, the importance of ceremony, especially for boys, right? but of that kind of progression that, Hey, you're no longer a little child. You're a man now. Uh-huh. And that goes back all the way to early childhood. Hey, you're not a little kid anymore. You need to <laughs> act a little older. And yeah, you know, this defining moment, you are having a celebration now, a ceremony where you are progressing to the next stage mm-hmm. can be very important for a kid. And, you know, something like that might work. So having that defined thing, hey, in three months, you're not going to do this anymore and let them know it's coming. Um, but then the other side, I guess it kind of continues on this vein that I don't think he talked about in the article. He may have, I might have missed it, but is the holiness concept. And that is that you can't tell a kid, okay, for the first 10 years of your life, you can do this and now you can't. Right. Yes. True. And I see so many parents saying, you know, not holding their kid. They believe in holiness, but they let their kid, you know, girls wear pants until they're 13 or whatever the standard is, you know, it, um, but it can't change yeah. somewhere in there. It becomes very um, confusing. And, and it, right. And you'll have a fight. And I know, just I, that's not how I was raised. And I see parents that do that. My dad actually recently talked to me. He's like, you know, we all think our kid's going to grow up to worship just like us and believe just like us. He said, but I look around and think of other kids that grew up with you guys. You know, we all thought they were going to grow up like in the church and, and they didn't. And thinking about family members, those who have stayed in the church, those who haven't, and thinking about other acquaintances and ministers' kids and things like that. And my dad was talking about, he's like, you know, the main difference I see is how they were raised from an early age of, you know, no, that we don't do that. That doesn't please God. And explaining holiness, not just we don't do this because these are the rules, but, and it doesn't have to be an elaborate ex- explanation of theological, you know, depth, but we want to make God happy and this doesn't make God happy. That's enough. Right, right. But to put that light on it, but then to, to I mean, not make exceptions, not be like, well, I know it's, un- you know, you can't really do this activity, so you can wear pants for this or, you, you know, even my son, and I'm not saying it would be wrong for me to let him play outside without a shirt on. But at this point, I'm already saying, no, but you can't go outside because you're not wearing pants. You just have your underwear on or you you don't have a shirt on. You can't come outside to help me unload the car. And maybe it's early. He's not even three yet. And yet for me, that way I'm already doing it. It's not a decision of when does this become an issue. I, th- I see the things on uh, Instagram and Facebook that show a lot of these younger kids 
little kids doing things, especially I do CrossFit as a way of exercising. And there's a lot of stuff on my feed that shows these little kids doing these different movements and weights because they constantly are seeing their parents doing that. Right. And they, and they enjoy doing it because they get praised by their parents and they see their parents doing it. I think, you know, we need to strive to have that effect on them with Mm -hmm. the things that pertain to the to the church, to to God, to things that will matter for the rest of their for life sure. to where, you know, they want to be reading their Bible because they see us reading our Bible. Right. And not just yeah. not just reading it, but enjoying it and praying and crying and weeping and, and travailing and those things are important, but they need to see us pray and have a smile on our face. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. They need to see us, you know, do their prayers and, and actually enjoy it. We, every night, we do a Bible reading and we pray with them. And we've gotten to where now they just repeat back what, what we say. Yeah. Why? And so I've been doing, it's funny because Asher, he's, his vocabulary is getting better. Uh, but it's not the best, but he will do like in two word chunks. And I do Deuteronomy 6 4 with them. Yeah every night and it's hilarious listening to them say it it's it's super cute and they enjoy it and it's teaching them that good habit because now they know after they brush their teeth they get their milk and we read the bible and silas says if we don't do that silas is like i want to read my bible yeah why are we reading my bible you know and yeah. then when they when we pray they know we pray and now that's translated into the at the dinner table yeah. where before it yeah. was just me praying and now we hold hands and they all will will take turns leading and everyone else will will uh copy them or and repeat what they're saying and now Silas has gotten to the point where he wants to pray that's even though he is. says a lot of stuff like usually he'll mention Paw Patrol and <laughs> all of his yeah. friends that he has but that's what I want them to see that, you know, I want For them sure. to see right. that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember the first time it happened in church, you know, I would, I used to, I would take Judah to the altar at the end after I was praying with people and everybody else was done. I would pray and I would put my hand on his head, you know, and, and pray for him and Lord raise him up to be a minister and, and things like that. And then um, one day he was like, daddy, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm praying for you. And I had my hand on his head. So then he took his hand and put it on my head <laughs> and, you know, I was praying for me and and oh man, I just, I started crying. Well then like every now and then he'll do it. He'll put his hand on my head when I have my hands raised or whatever. So doing that. And then I taught him too. And one day when my wife was sick and we prayed, I had him lay his hand on her. And so now if my wife says, oh, my stomach hurts or, you know, my arm hurts or something like that, or I burned my arm. I'm like, oh, let's pray for mommy. Not every time. So don't think I'm saying I have this magic kid, but occasionally he'll do it on his own or I'll say, let's pray for mommy, buddy. And he'll go and and he'll say, it's so funny. Sometimes he'll be like, uh, thank you, God, for mommy's head. And, you know, because he, he's equating, thank you, God, for our food and bless it right, to our bodies. Right. And I always have bless our family and bless our church. And so I'll say, God, touch, um, or he's like, thank you for mommy's head and bless her head and that it won't hurt. And it's, but it's so cute. Yeah. Like he's understanding enough to, he repeats, but then he'll change a little bit. He under, he's starting to understand it. Um, so that's been very exciting. And then the other thing is um, we have a mezuzah on our house, which I certainly don't think it's a requirement scripturally or anything like that, but just as an opportunity to teach them. And so you know, with, it was with Judah first and, and not all Jews do this, but some do. And so I took the opportunity. Every time we come home, we touch it 
I have him touch it and then kiss his fingers. And so now Charlie, and I started doing it with Charlie. Like I would pull her hand and force it and put it to her mouth. Well, now she, as soon as we get home, she'll go, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. And start kissing her fingers <laughs> and then like wanting to touch it. And uh, Judah too, there's times where like, if I forget, I'd be like, daddy, we forgot the thing. We mm. forgot the thing. And so now I've taught him it's mezuzah. So I'm like, daddy, we forgot the mezuzah. And for our listeners who may not be familiar with that, you want to do a quick? Yeah, sorry. A mezuzah is a, it's a Jewish interpretation of Deuteronomy 6 where he says, you know, bind these commandments on your doorpost. So they have this little metal box with the Shema, which is Deuteronomy 6, 4, and then 6 through 9, and then a few other scriptures sometimes written on it. But that's typically the one. And it's rolled up inside. And now they have very strict standards of who's allowed to write those, what ink has to be used, and, and it has to be blessed a certain way and all these things. We don't care about that because it's not scriptural. It's our man-made tradition. But so we we have one. And it's Deuteronomy 6. And so I'll ask you, I'll be like, Judah, do you know what's in there? And he'll be like, yeah, hero is your Lord, our God's one Lord. Now, I'm not as as good as you guys are with having them quote, and I need to do better. But I, you know, I was good for a while, and he still knows that one. I haven't got it to any other verses yet. But yeah, it's it's so cool how they'll learn and build a habit and, and you can use those habits and use things around your house as as kickers. That's what the Lord told them to do in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And he'd always say, hey, build, put up a pile of stones so that yeah. when you're walking by that pile of stones, your kids will say, daddy, why are those stones right. piled up? And you'd be like, oh, let me tell you about when the Lord led us across the Jordan River. Right. And you have these things in your life that prompt stories. And I remember so many times, you know, my dad would tell us stories um, from the Bible and then from his own life. And, and that's the way the Lord chose to pass on these things to generations. So really right. make sure you're telling stories and reading stories. If you're not a good storyteller, read them from a book, but Bible stories Yeah, and get a ch- children's Bible. You really need to be reading from a children's Bible for your, your kid and, and, I you think know, and the they tell those stories, learn to tell them. Bottom line for me is I, I think... Um, is not to make it some rigid, strict rules and regulation that uh, things of God is to worship God. You know, worship God is a, uh, that we worship God because it is a choice. It is fun. This is life. This is the way we right. are. You know, yeah. our life rotates around the things of God. You know, that's the yeah. that's the most important thing that we do in our lives. And and loving it yourself, and I think it's just gonna catch on to the kids where they will want to do the same thing, and uh, and we have a you know long ways to go to for them to make their choice uh, by themselves. But if we inspire them, get them involved, loving loving the things, uh, loving it yourself, so that they can know that this is the thing that we love, you know. And I think that way we can we can stay on the right track. Yeah. Um, one other thing that you guys might disagree with, and I'm not sure I agree with myself on this. <laughs> I'm actually still deciding what I think. I heard one preacher's kid talking about how they feel like because preacher's kids are so inundated with ministry that they don't feel like preachers need to have a structured devotional time. Now, I'll tell you right now, we are not successful at having family devotions. I try, mm-hmm. and it just gets pushed away, and mm-hmm. I am I am terrible about it. Sometimes I feel guilty about it, but then I kind of understand what they're saying. And I was thinking about it. And as if, the, so I think I'm still trying to decide. But at this point, I think if you are able to work in scripture stories, prayer, I think it's okay. Yeah. Um, and it's beneficial if you can make, because your, your life should be inundated with 
the Bible and right. ministry. And, and, and that's what Deuteronomy 6 says. Talk about the Lord when you're walking on, on the way. Go mm-hmm. on family walks and talk about the Lord when you're driving on the way, when, when you get up and when you go to sleep. So have right. these, you know, yes, there's, there's set times when you wake up and when you go to sleep, you talk about them. But then also just throughout the day when you're sitting at the dinner table and when you're walking by the way, you yeah. talk about it. So yeah. both, you have set times, but I, I, I'm thinking possibly less and less rigid than I used to think as far as like yeah. a family devotion where you read this and you Sit you know down. pray for so many minutes. Yeah. And not that that's bad. For some people that might work, but I'm thinking maybe me feeling guilty about not doing that. I don't think you might should, not. Yeah. 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 Well, for well, us, see, think, uh, for us, it's uh, the dinner table is the yeah. is the devotion. You know, uh, we we read a scripture and. I I read uh, a portion several times, you know what I mean, several days to the point where they can the start. Same, the same portion? The same portion, you know. Like we, That's good. We I like were, that. Yeah. We were doing Psalms 1 last week, you know. And by the end of the week, these guys, before I say it, they are, they are repeating yeah. it to me, that's you know good. what I mean? And so that that's way, I think that's a solid time. They talk about some other things, but then we... Uh, open up, you know, what does it mean, you know, uh, to be blessed? How can you be blessed? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. And then we start that conversation. So it's not, it's more casually uh, incorporating devotion, you know, rather than just yeah. sit down, close your eyes, don't make noise, you know what I mean? Kind of deal. Right. That way they start hating it, you know. Uh, yeah, you we know. definitely want to avoid making them yeah. think of the scripture as regimented <laughs> rules. Right. And, you know, yeah. I, I heard somewhere else and uh, that someone said this and that we started doing that. For a while, when we prayed, I wanted them to sit down and all of that, you know. But now I stopped that. Uh, you know, I don't know where I, I saw this or somebody told me that just let the kid be there just to listen to you pray. And sometimes yeah. they will come and just, while I'm kneeling down, they'll come down, uh, come to my back and just just lay there, you know, and uh, I won't I won't push them off. I just let them just be there, you know. And so they just kind of incorporating it, just say, hey, they, they just just get involved, you know what I mean? Uh, at first I was just like, man, stop that, sit down, you know, and I'm like, uh-uh, this is not good, you know. But anyway. Ryan, why don't you wrap us up? Give us our, our final words. I don't know. I feel like the way you guys summarize those things uh... – we're pretty sufficient. I think it boils down to that we need to do things on purpose. Um, and we have to be aware of what the impact that we're having on our children right now, because we can't just be aloof and just go with what's comfortable. And that's, you know, that's a lot of kind of we, we talked about where the society is at is letting the children dictate kind of what happens. That's not the right order. But if we do things with love and we set an example, we be habitual about our worship and our prayer and our reading and kind of lay the foundation for our children, both at home and at church, then we're setting them on the right path. And we're doing what God ordained us to do, and that's to uh, lead our children and to lead our family so that they'll they'll have a relationship with Christ. And they'll Amen. want to have a relationship and they won't have a bitter taste in their mouth when they think of the things of God, because Amen. a lot of people that have left church, they have that, and that's unfortunate that 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 they have that those feelings when they think about the house of God, 
and and the things of God. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to implement these things. It's going to be work. Uh, For sure, that, it's never that, easy. That changes. Yeah, it's, it's it's never easy. Anything with kids is uh, <laughs> yep. is yeah. is uh, is never easy, especially at the age where we're at right now. All yeah. of us, where there's not a lot of structure. Uh, I think the you know Tim, that's what I was thinking about when you talked about having devotions. When they're in school and when they're when they have a, a set routine, I yeah. think implementing something like that is much more feasible. Uh, yeah. But kind of catching them, like Nigel, uh, when they're sitting still, and you know that they're going to be sitting still there every day, and that's for dinner time yeah. or right before <laughs> bedtime. Um, I don't know what dinner time looks like for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess. Uh, <laughs> When you have them there for a few minutes, anyway, yeah. not sitting yeah. the, when they're at least at the table. Yeah, no, um, I, I know. What you mean. Yeah, once they once they get to five six, uh, then you know. Yeah, then they you know they have the routine. Um, yeah, and then uh, and they can start doing things kind of on their own. But uh, I'm appreciative for Brother Reynolds and all the work yeah. that yes, he's done, amen. and that he shares his wealth of knowledge. Um, he has some books for sale that I'm um, sure Tim can put a link to his website. Um, Especially that, and all of it has to do with teaching, uh, like Jesus taught, and, and dealing with children. Um, so there's definitely a lot of good information there for for young parents. So yeah, I'll link to the article and that webpage in the show notes, which you can find at behindthepulpitpodcast.com/slash. 33. We do have a fairly new look to our website, so go ahead and uh, check that out. Let us know what you think. If you have some ideas, always remember you matter to the kingdom of God. This time, remember, your kids matter to the kingdom of God. Behind the Pulpit Podcast. Amen.